Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From Postcard from the Past to Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. This is a place where we go to the shoebox under the bed and investigate its contents and consider picture postcards and explore what it is that causes us to keep hold of these precious cardboard rectangles. Each time, I welcome two guests, and it's their postcards that act as little clues to direct us towards memories, mysteries and stories. I'm Tom Jackson, and I'm delighted to say that today my guests are academic writer, broadcaster, Tom Shakespeare, and classical music broadcaster, specifically part of Classic FM since 1996, Anne-Marie Minhall. Tom and Anne-Marie, welcome to Podcast from the Past. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Now, uh, as I mentioned, Anne-Marie Minhall can be heard every weekday on Classic FM um, by her 2.6 million listeners. Um, we're hoping to add to that slightly with a handful of podcast listeners today. Um, and you may not be surprised to hear that anne has been voted one of the Radio Times' top ten female radio voices in the UK. Uh, Anne-Marie joins us today bearing a TN12 postmark. What's that? TN12 is Modern Cemetery in Tunbridge in right. Kent. And it's where one two, three, four members of the Minhall family are buried. Wow. And when I visit that cemetery, I can't help thinking, <laughs> well, I suppose this is where I will end up. And it's the most beautiful cemetery. It's well, a relief, because um... <laughs> this could be quite grim. <laughs> yes, um, it is. It's a very beautiful place. It's very peaceful. There's a lot of birdsong and... It's just, it is a lovely place. And Kent has a big part in my life for Min Halls, and I've still got lots of family there as well, not just in the cemetery. But is that where not... the ancestral home is? No, the Min Hall name is a mystery, actually. Ah. No one really knows where it came from. And my uncle, my father's brother, is really doing all his fantastic research, looking through minhalls through the First World War and oh, beyond that. Um, but he was once told by an aunt, "You should never look into the history of the minhalls." Um, oh, but fantastic. we don't, <laughs> which of course just spurs us on even more. So we don't, we don't know. We're kind of spread far and 
wide, but um, and in fact, I've had a, through Classic FM, I've had a few minhals getting contact saying, okay. "I think we might be related," and we always are. They weren't asking for money, were they? Well, <laughs> I did check. <laughs> Perhaps you could ask but them no. for money. Well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, but yes, I suppose Kent and that part of England, it is beautiful. And yes. um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be there, I think. Very good. Now, Anne-Marie, do you still send postcards? Oh, all the time. Do when you? I When I got your email, Tom, I was beyond, I was beyond excited. I was <laughs> telling, I've got three or four really close friends and we do postcards all the time. Very good. Uh, I've got a, a box of 100 penguin cookery postcards that oh, someone yes. bought me for Christmas because I love to be in the kitchen and to cook. Um, I've got two friends who uh, split their time between St Monans in Fife and Glasgow. And just today I came home and there was one on the mat uh, from one of the friends and the dog. Uh, they've just <laughs> had a boys weekend. And my friend Jenny, who travels or was travelling all over the world uh, with Grey Eye Theatre Company, uh, Jenny Seeley, she was also the co-artistic director for the opening ceremony for the Paralympics in 2012. Mm-hmm. So, and she sends me and my stepmother postcards from everywhere. And it, I, I told all my friends about, about this and they're just, <laughs> they're all at the website. In fact, I think I told you as well, I bought your book uh, for my stepmother. Excellent, excellent. This is, this, you, you can come back, you can come back. Thank this you. And good. I'd just like to ask why Jenny Seeley never sends me a postcard. Because I, <laughs> oh! I, I clearly don't know her nearly as well as you do, but I do know her and she's a wonderful woman. She is, Tom. Do you know, I was thinking that and I, when I knew um, I was going to be chatting to you today, I've dropped her an email and say, do you know Sir Tom? Because I thought, of course you must do. And I'm still waiting to hear back from her. She's all over the place at the moment. So when I see her, I shall get her on posting you postcards, of course. Well, the occasional postcard is always appreciated. Very good. Well, good. I really didn't intend to start any kind of trouble with old friends, but anyway. <laughs> um, now... Um, it's perfectly possible you may have been taught by Tom Shakespeare uh, or you may have read his academic work. Uh, he's a social scientist and bioethicist with a particular focus on disability and big current ethical issues uh, around prenatal genetic testing and end-of-life assisted suicide. And you may also um, have heard Tom on Radio 4 talking about all sorts of subjects. And Tom comes to us today with an NE10 postmark... Is that right? That's correct. And that would be um, Bilkey in Gateshead. And ah. you can hear from my voice, I'm not a Geordie, but uh, I've spent about 20 years living on the banks of the Tyne um, in the east side of Gateshead, and uh, I love it. And um, my postcode, indeed, used to be NE10. My friends still live there. My um, uh, daughter's mother lives there. And uh, it's, uh, you can see the river up and down, um, and it's, uh, it's a beautiful place. You can also see old shipyards and um, new oil rig yards, uh, which in turn presumably will, in, will themselves pass. Um, so it's, it's the history all the way back. Um, and just down the road is Jarrow Monastery, um, which, of course, where Venerable Bede was. So, ah. you know, a thousand years of history are encapsulated there. Encapsulated in, in one postcode. <laughs> Now, Tom, when did you last send a postcard? I collect more postcards than I send. And I have hundreds of postcards in boxes. And every now and then I do send one. 
Um, but I regret or perhaps delight in the fact <laughs> that I'm more often sending either a letter um, yes. or a uh, email, sadly, these days. I ha- I, when I got your um, message, I um, checked that my fountain pen was still working. <laughs> and I do think there's something about writing, uh, which is very, very helpful. And particularly, you know, we don't have necessarily time to write a long letter like we used to. But a postcard, you know, it can bring joy and has, and indeed has to me. So uh, I'm still got to, I think I will die with a whole couple of boxes of shoe boxes full of postcards, but I'm trying to shift as many as I can. It's very good. Well, I think I mean one of the one of the reasons postcards took off so quickly in, in, in the turn of the twentieth century really was because they were so much easier to write than a proper letter. And they were democratizing in that sense. <laughs> and do they keep longer? I mean, in the sense that you're you, you've obviously seen many many from 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 the past as documents. Are, are they are they are they do they have longevity, or is it that a sort of letter in an envelope is more likely to be preserved? Well, no, I think I think postcards are more likely to be preserved, partly because from the very beginning, from from the very from the very first picture postcards, they were collected. Um, people wanted to hold on to them because they're pretty uh, or interesting, as well as being a, a form of communication. So I think people did hold on to them, and even now you want to hold on to them. You, you can put it on your mantelpiece in the way if someone wrote you a letter, you wouldn't put it on your mantelpiece. No, that's true. And, and you put them in a, flip, a clip frame and all the rest of it. And yes. I think that's why I hold on to so many, why I have the boxes and I can't be prized away from them. And sometimes, you know, they're your favourite. And I particularly get works of art. And I also, where I travel, I pick them up. And, you know, they, you've bought them for a purpose. They, they, they're about a, a visit or, a, yes. or, or something you want to celebrate. And you, I don't want to get rid of them. Cheap souvenir, pocket art gallery. It's all there, really. <laughs> Anyway, I'm not I'm not the postcard liberation front, but I do enjoy them. <laughs> um, now, before we see and hear the cards that Tom and Anne Maria brought along, I'll give you a quick one of mine. So this is like a postcard from the past card, like I do um, on Twitter and in my book. So it's an old card. Um, I've looked at um, the message on the back. So it's not a card that I I was sent or a card that I sent. It's a card that that's, that's long since lost its um, sender and recipient. It's an orphan in the storm. Um, so the first card here is and. I should just tell the listeners at home, because we're not all in the studio together, although the sound probably would make you think we were, um, we're actually talking on the internet. So we've, we've all got a dope sheet from which we can all see the different cards. So the, the first card I've got is this card from the Isle of Man. And it's, um, it's got a mess. The whole front is a message. And the message is, I've forgotten all about work on the Isle of Man. There was a whole series of these. And, and the work is in huge letters. And, and within, within the letters are views of the Isle of Man. So it's a simple idea, but... Very striking. Um, and you can get these from all sorts of different resorts. This one was published by Bamforth, uh, and it's from 1984. And it's sent to uh, Shetland in Scotland. And uh, it's sent from someone called David. And it says, Dear Ma and Dar, having a great time. Weather is good, but it was raining this morning. Going to see Motorhead tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I suppose it just kind of um, it, that that last bit of the message rather crept up on me. I didn't expect that to be the the payoff for this um, rather traditional card from the Isle of Man. But so you know, I, I hope David had a good time watching Motorhead in 1984. I suppose they would have been pretty huge in 1984. It's not the sort of card that you you would have posted to your boss, is it? No, no, <laughs> no. Um, well, I'll, I'll give you another quick quick one on my cards. This is a card of uh, Tower Bridge. 
So um, it's a gloriously sunny day on this Cardorama card from 1978. And um, I was trying to work out where they took the picture from, but because you seem to be on the balcony of a, of a hotel with sort of concrete um, planters looking out across uh, the Tower of London and Tower Bridge and, and a bit of the river there. Anyway, it's... Um, it was sent to Staplehurst in Kent, so that's your part of the world there, uh, Anne-Marie. It is. And it's sent by someone called Jackie, Jackie B, since you ask. And um, I just thought it sort of summed up a, uh, that, that feeling of a day out that you might have had as a kid or something. It said, um, today we're at the Tower of London and Tower Bridge. Tower Bridge is lovely and, and Tower of London is fantastic. And I saw the lovely crown jewels. She, she likes the word lovely a lot. Um, <laughs> it was a lovely day to go, it's a lovely day to go, but a bit crowded. I had a four and a half inch lolly and <laughs> mum bought me and Mandy a jumping bean each. So, <laughs> I, I thought it was very cute the way she um, measured the, the lolly. I don't know what it would have been. Uh, uh, I don't know what would you have had four and a half inches, maybe one of those sort of zoom ones. Yeah, or a fab or something. Fab, maybe, yeah. Could and be. I don't know. I, I, I like this postcard because it's got. It, obviously, it doesn't have a gherkin, and it doesn't have all of those other probably skyscrapers that you would now see in that scene. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's sort of unspoilt in some way. Yeah, and very well, green. I was taken about how that how fecund it, it looks around there. It may just be the angle, but I hadn't thought about the buildings, Tom. That's a really good point. Yeah, it's just Tower Bridge, isn't it? And lots of greenery and um, and the Tower of London. And, and a fake sky, I think. I'm, not, I'm sure it was never that blue. <laughs> uh, but it was a sunny day because there's hard shadows on the on the parapet of the of the of the terrace or the balcony. So, but also, I noted this line about the jumping bean. Do either of you remember getting jumping beans? Yes, as soon as you said that, I remembered <laughs> this annoying Mexican. Is it Mexican jumping bean? And it was in a little uh, uh, perspex box. And you, you it, it, did you heat it up? Or, or I, I can't did it really it, work? I, don't, I never knew if it was a no, con or not. No, because there were things well. that had ball bearings in that called themselves jumping beans. Do you remember those? They were like a little, like a pill. Okay, I don't well, the, remember that. And they um, would sort of roll around and be like a... But but there was always this notion there might be a real jumping bean that really jumped, and I just don't think it exists, does it? I never saw it. Um, <laughs> Neither did I, no. Well, Lies. Anyway, Jackie B got one, <laughs> and she seemed very... But she didn't measure it the way she measured her ice lolly, so... <laughs> it, it, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because the Tower of London, obviously, I mean, many of us read the novels of of the Tudor period and how you went off there to be executed and so forth. Um, and then it, it was a zoo and it was a yes. zoo for, for many, many years. And uh, all through the Georgian period, you went along and you saw an elephant or a, or a, or a lion or a leopard <laughs> at, the, at the Tower of London. And of course, now it's just a tourist attraction and you might buy Mexican dancing beans if you're lucky. If you're lucky, <laughs> if you're lucky. Well, very good. Look, I should remind everyone at home listening that all these images, so the, the, the blue sky and the, and the lack of a gherkin um, and the oversized word work uh, are all going to be on the podcast, on the, on the, on the blog, uh, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, so you can see that we're not making it up. Um, now, Anne-Marie and Tom have been kind enough to dig out um, for this long-distance podcast some postcards of their own. Let's start with you, Anne-Marie. What's the first card you've got for us? This is a lovely 
piece of artwork. Um, and it's one of those sort of long rectangular postcards where you can fit more on if you want to to write it and it's, it's, it's an unusual size isn't it definitely it's not, it not the normal format it's longer and thinner is it is it very large or if i just uh no it's probably the size of like an a4 envelope if you see what i mean so yeah like the sort of thing that you like you get your gas bill in um <laughs> what a lovely way to put it <laughs> And uh, I love it. So it's three kites, and in the top right, I love the colours of it for a start, but it's it's all about Adnams, beer from the coast, and Adnams is uh, a Suffolk-based brewery. And Suffolk, um, again, like Kent, has played a big part in, in my uh, years. Oh. And the postcard um, was written uh, by my stepmother, which I'll mention in just a I'll mention her in just a moment. Um, Adnam's Beer from the Coast, and it just brought back uh, fantastic memories of spending mainly New Year's uh, holidays in Thorpe Ness and Oldborough and Southwold and Warbleswick. Um, during my teenage years, my stepsister's teenage years and my stepbrother's teenage years uh, with my father, my stepmother, and then friends would descend from York. And every year we'd hire this um, wonderful little cottage in Thorpe Ness, which had no central heating. Um, Sounds uh, wonderful. It, yeah. And you've got kind of three moping teenagers now and going, <laughs> <laughs> um, something like three dogs involved. My father had specific tasks, so he would make breakfast for everyone. He'd take the dogs out in the morning for a walk. He'd collect driftwood for the fire. Uh, once breakfast was done, the pots and everything, that was him done. And he said, my tasks are done. And then we would all go out, we do what we do our own thing, but we always got together in the evening for a for a meal, uh, uh, so we'd go out for a, a little trip in the cars and what have you. And it was wonderful. And I was it, looking through the postcards, which was a joy in itself, because like Tom, I've got quite a few. Um, I picked this one because it brought back so many happy memories of Suffolk is the most beautiful county anyways, I'm sure you both know. But uh, it was New Year's Eve in the Cross Keys in, in Oldborough. Then we'd all be back and there'd be a game of Scrabble, some, some Twister. We had, there was no telly. It was a joy. Uh, there was radio, which, which was unbridled joy to have a radio there, obviously. And even one little story came to mind of my stepsister, her boyfriend, who wasn't terribly popular with the elder members of the family, was coming down for a couple of nights. We'll change his name. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so he arrives, and my father and um, Jerry, the, the head of the other family with, with us, grumbling, and the women were a bit kind of, mm, well, you know, just Ron, you know. But Jane was all, you know, my stepsister was all kind of, oh, he's coming, you know, can't wait. <laughs> so he turns up, he turns up with two bottles of very expensive malt whiskey, at which oh. point the men's attitudes changed <laughs> Come in and sit down. <laughs> Amory, you move. Let him have a seat. And it was all of that. So lovely memories. But as I say, you know, we were uh, we were a family that had got together quite late for, you know, in teenagers. Um, so we it, it was uh, I'd lived with my father on just me and him for many, many years. And suddenly right. it was all of us together uh, and we got on with it. But there were moments and the card this postcard was written um by jill who was my stepmom uh who's got beautiful writing and um i did wonder about sharing this but i, I think 
I think I'm going to. Um, Jill this year um, was she's been diagnosed with dementia, and. Um, this is one of the last cards I had for her, from her where her writing looks like her writing and she's talking about being in Suffolk and the weather's beautiful and um, laughing a lot um, with a friend. And just it's just wonderful. And I think it's, it's memories like that. And just like all, not all of us, but many of us, when we write a postcard, she starts off all quite big with this beautiful writing <laughs> at the top and then it gets lit like, the, like a spider with you know, bowel problems towards the end. Um, and then there's a different pen use, a different colour. When are you and Martin coming? Kisses for Jenny. And she's trying to fit everything on. Um, and it's beautiful. It was just a joy. And I thought, yeah, that was that was one of my first choices. Brought back so many happy memories. Very nice. And it's a very evocative image. Those, um, It's very graphic. Um, it has a kind of 30s look, I think, the way they put it together. And the kites, something about kites in the air and freedom is, is very... Uh, it's a very evocative image. It it's is. A, it's and, a lovely yeah. image, yeah. And it's it's and as you say, absolutely the thirties. Then the colours of it. It's um, the illustration. It says on the card is by someone called Chris Wormwell. Okay. So thank he's you, good. Chris, for that. He or she? Yeah, he's, he's good. good. Yeah. It, it looks like maybe a, a is it a screen print or a lino cut? I mean, it's it's very stylish. Yeah, I do, do you know? I'd love to know. I don't know. Jill, Jill, um, my stepmother definitely has always had an eye for a good photograph and, and a good piece of art very, and interior designs and everything. And that's obviously caught her eye for some reasons, but I'd love to know where it came from. And is it, and is it, a, is it a promotional card, really, from Adams? Is that? I think so, yeah. She's just she's picked it up somewhere. Yeah. Um, but it, they're, but it's they're not, the best, free yeah. postcards. Free postcards. And there's no blurb on the back at all about, you know, come to come and drink a pint of Adams. It's just at the bottom. It's just their website address and... And Adnams, and I just thought, yeah, classy. I thought, very nice, very nice. What a lovely thing as well. And and um, you know, there is something encapsulated on the back of that card that catches a moment and captures an emotion for you. Yeah, definitely. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you for that. Now, Tom, what's the first card on your doormat? Okay, so uh, unfortunately, this isn't written on, but it's not written on because I bought it, and it's from the Viking Ship Museum in Oslo. And it's the Osberg ship. Um, and uh, This is a uh, dramatic image. It is very striking. And when you're there, I mean, it was very, very moving. I studied um, Anglo-Saxon, Northern Celtic as a student. It was my first degree. And, you know, these Viking ships uh, are, are so exciting. Um, and there's two of them, uh, three of them, in fact, at that museum. Um, and I remember going there uh, uh, and visiting it. And I remember, I think, when I bought that postcard, because I was there for... I'm a disability researcher, as you said, and I was there for the um, uh, Nordic Network of Disability Research Conference, and we had a reception at the Viking Ship Museum. Oh, um, and I think that's it. where I bought this uh, postcard. Um, and... Um, I was there and I got a phone call from Newcastle that my friend Julia Darling had died and she'd had cancer for, um, you know, actually many years and I had visited her the previous week in hospital and she, she'd obviously been dying. And I remember, you know, obviously floods of tears and great distress. Um, uh, and so although I love this postcard um, because of the, the Viking ship, um, it also brings her back. And that uh, whole era in Newcastle when, when we were very close friends. And, um, you know, it, it's never going to leave me, that thought. Um, and so that's why I've kept the, the card. 
Um, on, on a lighter note, um, as I said, you know, I spent 20 years in Newcastle um, and I, I remember I had a, uh, I've got dear friends in Iceland and I had a friend from Iceland visit and I took her up and down the coast in Newcastle and I took her to Lindisfarne and, and all of these other Northumbrian coasts. And uh, every, every time we stopped and pulled over and got out the car and had a look at the lovely East Coast and, and the ruins there, I, I, I said to Ranveig, I said, well, your ancestors... Uh, raped and pillaged here and then we would move a bit further down the coast and you know there'd be a ruin and I'd say well your ancestors uh, were to blame in the 10th century whatever it might be and by the end of the day I mean we had seen some beautiful beautiful sights but ships like this one had clearly uh, uh, come over the eastern horizon and laid waste um, yes. to many of these places it, may look uh, it wasn't her fault um, but uh, you know it's, uh, I'm glad fact, you don't you, bear a grudge I don't bear a grudge no but uh, it was um, it was my idea of a joke but maybe I pushed it a bit too far oh, that, that's, the, that's the danger with every joke it is. Tom, can I ask how many, how, because the angle of that, I mean, it is an extraordinarily stunning um, image. How many, how many people would have been in there? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, um, I think maybe 40. Um, uh, but it, it depends. This, the, the, both these ships um, may have been coastal ships. You can see uh, um, there's a mast. And there, you can see that there are oar holes um, along, and they would have slung um, obviously shields, and they would have rowed. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I have got, <laughs> I have got uh, where I'm sitting a new and wonderful book called um, Children of Ash and Elm, uh, which is a new history of the Vikings. And when I've read it. Um, I will email you and tell you how many people there would have been in a ship like this, um, because I don't currently know. But what I do know is that, you know, extraordinarily, people from Norway particularly, but Denmark and, and Sweden as well, voyaged in ships not very different from this one, not just to uh, Britain, where they raped and pillaged, but, you know, we've mentioned the Isle of Man. That was a Norse settlement. We mentioned Shetland. That was a Norse settlement. Yes. Um, and indeed to Ranveig's homeland, Iceland, and further afield to America, as well as to Kiev and uh, Constantinople. I mean, quite extraordinary seafarers. Um, and, uh, you know, in Newcastle today, when you say you're going home, you say, I'm Ganyem. And Ganyem is basically Norwegian. And it's because the Vikings left their mark on, uh, I mean, indeed, where you are talking about in Suffolk, the Vikings left their mark on the whole of the east coast of the UK and indeed Dublin and uh, uh, the Lake District and, and further afield. Goodness. All right. They come here. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in Iceland, uh, what we, they've done genetic analysis better than anywhere else. And what they found was that the Vikings tended to come, they'd stopped in either Ireland or Britain. They, they, they got a lady, and, and, and I presume they, she didn't volunteer to go on the boat. They grabbed a lady, and then they took her off to Iceland. And so the genome of Iceland is largely Norwegian um, male line, and um, British Isles, female line. Goodness. Um, I'm afraid that there are some very bad histories there um, of, of male-based violence. Yes, but there's a sort of unpacking with these genomes that, that didn't used to be possible. It was just hearsay. That's right. I mean, in Iceland, now. you have a book of the Icelanders. That's what it's called. And so Iceland is very, very good at genealogy. 
But when they had decode and they um, all volunteered their, their, their genome, um, they suddenly realised that you know, they were related to Fred over the, over the hill. Um, and they'd never realised this. When were they related? In the 14th century. Um, uh, I mean, it's not a big place. What's interesting about Iceland, you know, when I first went there, there were less than 300,000 people there. And now there's about 330,000, I think. They've had a lot of immigration, which is wonderful, um, from Poland, from Philippines, from refugees of all sorts so they become much more diversified which has brought with it its tensions um, but like with everywhere but it, you know it's it's a wonderful place uh, and it's ships like this one uh, from Norway that would have settled it um, you know the first parliament in the universe in the British in um, the world in 930 at uh, Thingvetlia and uh, you know they've been innovating ever since and this, when when did they discover this boat do you know I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, again, I'm afraid I'm going to let you down. It would have been um, in the early 20th century, I think. And it was a ship burial, like it was um, uh, at Sutton Hoo. Of course, um, which we've, and, a lot of us are uh, more familiar with recently because of that film. Exactly, the dig. It would have been like that. And, and they, they, they'd have dug it up and there was a, a, a um, obviously a, a very well-endowed um, gentleman or lady buried in, in the middle of it. And it's kind of amazing because if you leave your garden gate untreated it doesn't last very long in in the wind and the rain and yet from whatever it is 1100 years ago 1200 years ago this is preserved yes it is i mean it, it has to be in exactly the right i don't know silt or whatever it is right. um uh, to 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 uh, to be preserved but um and and just one more thing i mean not far perhaps from uh, where, where you're talking about uh, in, the, in, in Suffolk, in Essex, there's this wonderful uh, old English poem um, called The Battle of Malden. Um, and uh, the, the Vikings had landed and they were on uh, basically at the end of a, uh, of, a, of, of, a, of a piece of land and they could only come sort of two at a time. So they were not going to, you know, win. And the English said, no, 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 come over, come straight over. Yeah, and it's like, you know, cricket means that you fight us on the battleground. Of course, <laughs> the Vikings say, oh, thanks a bunch, and kill them all. Um, oh. uh, uh, so <laughs> it's a lesson that English politeness uh, doesn't really get you very far. <laughs> very good. Well, I, I don't know how to respond to that. I don't know if there's too much or too little politeness around, so I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> very good, very good. Well, um I do one more quick card of mine. This is a card of Blackpool, and uh, you know what could be more typical than uh, a card from Blackpool. And this is a card. Um, it's it's what we call a multi-view. You know, three views. It, it's it's on a rather sort of dull grey. I suppose it may have been violet once, but it, it's a bit grey now, with a, a, a sort of um, a, a, an artist-drawn rose, and the rose comes with some lucky heather. Always a good thing to add. And it says, best wishes from Blackpool. Three images. Uh, the images are of the promenade, of Stanley Park, and um, what they call rough sea, which is a sort of phrase that has a great heritage in the postcard world. And it's um, and, and you can see Blackpool Tower and a very blue sky. And the, the message was sent in 1963, a long time ago. Uh, and it was sent to Kettering. And it was sent by someone called, I think, Emily. The handwriting's a little bit hard to read. And she says, having a lovely time. The weather is just right. Boy, is it hot. And then she says, feel like a red Indian. Slightly regrettable phrase. I don't know quite what she means. I suppose she means someone who's used to hot weather. 
but I mean, I, I don't know. We, we wouldn't express it that way now. And she says, we have got tickets to see Lonnie Donegan's show on Friday. I uh, hope Mr Smith is feeling better. And I was just intrigued that you, you sort of forget that the shows on at the seaside in those days were the absolute top acts of their time. So, you know, Lonnie Donegan was a, was a big name. Um, and he, he was in a show, I checked it out, he was in a show called Putting on the Donegan. It's like a weird name for a show. Um, featuring Des O'Connor, I might add. Um, but if she'd gone along to the North Pier Pavilion, she could have seen Morecambe and Wise and Matt Munro in another show. <laughs> or at the ABC down the road, as cinema converted, she could have seen Cliff Richard. So there were a lot of good acts on a, in Blackpool in 1963 uh, that young Emily could have gone to see. No motorhead, though. Well, precisely. Precisely. <laughs> she, <laughs> listeners, she would have to wait another 21 years. Yes, for that. <laughs> That's an extraordinary lineup, though. And you kind of forget about, you know, Blackpool sometimes can be shown in um, sometimes an uncomplimentary light. But for that particular um, era, uh, I mean, I only know really from what I've. What I've Bread, uh, but um, you know, Morecambe Wise. It was it was where you made your name and you tested your act, wasn't it? And um, and then television took over. Um, but yeah, that's an amazing. I mean, you could have gone a whole week seeing four, five great shows, probably. Which, which of course is a good idea in Blackpool because the weather's not guaranteed. You're not in Spain. You know, you no. want a holiday, but the British weather doesn't always give you that sunbathing thing. So go to the Go to look at the amusements during the day. Go to the show at night, and you'll yeah. at least you'll have had something. Something will have happened. Yeah. And in fact, the the Cliff Richard show started in August, the month before the Beatles had done five nights there. Oh, so it's funny. You know, I think it was like a sort of real showbiz mecca. And and I suppose the, I suppose the cliche is that you'd have second rate acts, but these these were top acts. Yeah. We we miss we missed our calling. I, I I've been to Blackpool. Um, obviously, many many of your listeners have. But I've been to a, a I think it was a trade. It was either a student union or a trade union conference in Blackpool. And so I suspect that the majority of visitors have been to a party political conference or a trade union conference or something like that. And and that's what places like Blackpool and Brighton and 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 uh, these country these seaside resorts have become really haven't they because the, the the entertainment prior to the lockdown was in Spain or Greece or uh, Portugal um, the idea of going for your holidays to UK uh, has has dwindled yeah I don't know I wonder if Blackpool's had a bit of a revival this year I, I hope so I hope so I always enjoy going there I enjoyed my visit. Uh, I'm just racking my brains as to which which uh, uh, union conference it was, but uh, yeah, we were probably in some terrible meeting hall. Um, the thing, the thing that struck me about Blackpool, I remember thinking, is is how cheap it was, and that is not a that's yeah. not a criticism. It was inexpensive. You yeah. could buy straightforward stuff: fish, fish and chips, burger and chips, a beer, whatever. Really inexpensively. I just thought, I like, I like this. This is a good thing. <laughs> uh, do you think that red rose is is the Lancastrian red rose? Is that's why it's red? Oh, yeah, I was wondering. I'm that. sure you're right. I'm sure. I just saw it as an ornament, but I'm sure you're right. I'd have to go further into the um, well, you'd uh, have Valentine's to if, archive and see if, what they if, did if for Scarborough had a white rose or precisely or, or, or whatever. <laughs> it's brilliant. You've given me a, a, a mission and a quest, which is what I love. So. Uh, I'll get back to you in and uh, in due course. I'll update and I'll update the, the blog when I find it. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to Podcasts from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. And my guests today are Tom Shakespeare and Anne-Marie Minhall. Um, oh, here's a surprise. We've received a postcard. Um, and the postcard... Um, which is a lovely picture of a, a sort of rather graphic image of a sunset, helpfully with the word sunset across the bottom. Um, <laughs> and it's from uh, Susan Terry of Somerset, Wincanton in Somerset. And Susan says, the answer is red cabbage. Oh, I'm sorry, Susan. <laughs> That's the wrong answer. <laughs> now, uh, Anne-Marie, what's the second card you've got for us? Ah, well, now then, I have... Um a passion for cricket. Ah. Uh, thanks to... Uh, my father's getting a lot of mentions today, which would please him enormously <laughs> where he's still with us. Uh, my father, Michael, um, the summers were all about playing cricket, um, you know, local village cricket, um, round and about in Nottinghamshire, Derbyshire, Lincolnshire, Leicestershire. And then uh, the winters would be... Uh, all about football, which he played as well. And um, he was an excellent all-rounder. I've still got a picture of him uh, when he was playing in a charity match at Trent Bridge, which is um, God's own favourite ground. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the love for cricket just grew through the years. My father then took me to uh, a test match to see England v West Indies. Uh, and this was when uh, it was the day of the days of bomb scares so at one point right. throughout the play we all had to go into the middle of the pitch which in hindsight probably wasn't a very good idea anyway it was all fine what, what I an image what an image yeah and I, I mean i didn't really know what was going on i was just holding my father's hand and and yes. i think my father just being oh, let's get back to the cricket and everything and it, anyway all was well and fine but the main one i remember was uh the centenary of the ashes at trent bridge 1977 um oh, i mean i've never i'd never known an atmosphere like it and even now you know with let's hope the ashes happening later this year we'll see what, what occurs but i just 
I love the rivalry. I love the passion from both sets of players, uh, from both sides of of, um, of the supporters. So what happens there? And and may I just share? I am going to. I am going to because my father would have been. Um, pleased I don't like the word proud very much but my father would have been pleased after 19 years of being on the waiting list for the MCC I finally got full membership in January this year and I think my, thank you Hooray. and I think my father would have been pleased because one um you know the MCC let's think back a few years well more than a few years a couple of decades before women were allowed Quite. to join the MCC and um so it's I've been lucky and I've been patient, I think, and I've loved my cricket through the years and I love being at Lords, I love watching the cricket and to be back this summer after two years away, eighteen months away was wonderful. Hence a lot of my friends and my family seek out cards with ah. cricket on them. Because okay, they know. Because <laughs> they know. And I've got lots of them. Some are from uh, olden times. Some are more modern. My friend took a picture of this fantastic cricket team in Fife uh, based at Ely. And they play cricket on the beach during the summer. And yeah, and I think... I could approve of that, I think. Well, yeah, and I think if you, a four is count counts depending what the tide's doing. If it, if it goes into the sea, I mean, it's and it's right by a pub. I mean, it's fantastic. This particular card... Um, I picked out because it's from two friends who are um, that they spend a lot of time finding cricket cards for me. And this one, I love the colours on it. And I did a bit of research to find I'd never heard of Alf Gover. We should describe it for the listener. Yeah, it's be- well, it's a beautiful green background. And there's a, there's a drawing uh, of presumably that is Alf. And it's the it's the cover to his book, which is called How to Play Cricket by Alf Gover, Surrey and England 11, illustrated by Leonard Haggerty. Um, Centre stage is a massive cricket ball. It's enormous, isn't it? <laughs> it's enormous. Uh, <laughs> and we see picture of Alf both with bat and ball, but mainly he was a bowler. And Alf had two long careers in cricket. The first as a wholehearted fast bowler for Surrey and briefly for England, he played four tests. And I couldn't believe the timing because today uh, is the first day of uh, the test between England and India. We're one all at the moment and at the Oval. Uh, And he played when England weren't overstocked with fast bowlers and he only won four test caps, three of them in his golden years, 1936-37, we're talking here. And the final call came after the war. He was 38 and he opened the bowling against India at his beloved ovals. And I thought, ah, "Ah, there's some, some, you know, some symmetry that the other part of his career, he opened a cricket school, uh, which sadly closed. He was known as the Mr. Chips of cricket teachers. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) Um, And he owned this legendary indoor cricket school in Wandsworth, South London. Um, There was tuition. Yeah. But some of the mightiest names in cricket walked through his doors. People like Viv Richards, Ken Barrington, Brian Lara. Um, Yeah, and I, I, I just—it was a joy again. It was, and at one point he was the oldest test, oldest surviving test cricketer in the world, and he lived to the grand old age of, of ninety-three till two thousand and one. And I thought I, it was just a joy researching about this man's life. Um, and you didn't know yeah. about him until the card came through your letterbox, is that right? No, absolutely Wonderful. not. Wonderful. No. Yeah, well, yes, it's prompted something for you, hasn't it? 
And I, lo- I, I do love this card very much. And it, it's obviously he played for Surrey in England. And um, I was going to apologise to you in case there was the no- noise of cheering um, on my microphone because I am in Kilner House. Kilner was a 1930s cricketer. And I, uh, the, the oval is literally, I could throw a stone <gasps> and hit it. And uh, England have just bowled India out for 191. Um, uh, and, you know, it's so close. Um, and clearly he knew all of these areas. Um, and Kilner, as I say, was a cricketer. All of the, um, the blocks, Kennington housing blocks um, uh, around uh, oh, the oval oh. are named after famous cricketers and uh, it, it's it's a it's a wonderful place to be but if i had a membership it would be of the oval not of the mcc my father was a member of the mcc so congratulations that, uh, oh, that you're there thank Henry. you and I'll, I'll be round about 10 to 11 tomorrow tom okay yeah you're welcome uh, and i wish you could stand <laughs> on our roof and see, see uh, but the roof has been pulled off Oh, lovely! Yeah, well, I, I, it's um, it's it's a magnificent summer of cricket so far, and it's I think I think fans are just supporters are just so delighted to be, like we all are for everything for arts, you know, for theatre, for galleries, but to be at sporting events as as well. Um, so yes, it's it's a it's a it's a big part it's a big part of life, and I think it, it just always makes me I feel close to my father when I'm at a cricket match or when yes. I receive. Yeah, so it's lovely. And this book, this is this postcard, is, is a reproduction of a book cover, of a puffin book, by the looks of it. Um, yeah, for, t- for two and six. <laughs> have you looked out? You know, have you have you have you put your hand in your pocket for two and six and tried to find it somewhere? I have found it. I have actually found it on of the. Of course you have. Of <laughs> course, this, you find everything on the internet. Um, I haven't put my hand in my pocket yet, um, only because I work kind of took over over the last couple of days um but i'm going to get it just because i and then maybe post it um uh no it would be rude to say it, post it to coley wouldn't it um but yeah no i wouldn't and actually that uh, it's um, let's wait and see of, who wins the test oh i never jinx a match tom i never no. jinx it um and i and i think the other thing about the get, get, getting the cricket postcards is that being an england um enthusiast through the years my word i've lived with the with the disappointments <laughs> and the victories and and when you have a day like today or like we did you know last week you hang on to this and think ah oh, that's that feels good it's the long game it is in every sense <laughs> <laughs> but you'll have to get the book because the illustrations are going to be really good you just know yeah you're right you're right because the colors are stunning as well it's something about color obviously that's that's called me to both those cards i think Yes. Well, I think that's part of what postcards are, you know, ever since they started putting colour on them. I think it's, it's, it's yeah. one of the things that catches the eye, definitely. Excellent. Well, thank you for, for, for bowling that one to us. It's very, very interesting. <laughs> and, 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 and I can see that it sort of it resonates so powerfully for you, which is lovely. Um, Tom, let's look at the final card we've got. Now, this again is an arresting image. So um, this... What's this one? Right, so it's uh, it's called Untitled Brackets Wheelchair, um, and it's an artwork by um, the British Lebanese artist Mona Hatoum, um, and it's a um, it's all made in stainless steel, fabricated in stainless steel, um, and it's got the wheelchair has got very small wheels. Um, and so it's the sort of wheelchair that you'd have to have somebody pushing. You couldn't possibly propel a wheelchair no. like this yourself. And then you look very close, well, not even very closely, suddenly you realise that the handles which a carer would have to push are carving knives. I mean, they're literally <sighs> sharpest, pointiest, cuttiest 
knives. And it almost makes you wince. The idea yes. of putting your hands on those and pushing a person would be, would be you know, t t terribly wounding. And I think that uh, I saw this. It was a, 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 an exhibition of Mon Hotum's work. Um, and it so powerfully encapsulated the possible um, attention and the concealed um, aggression uh, within a caring relationship, you know, that, 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 you know, maybe the carer is really angry with their role looking after the person, whether they're a child or an adult, in the chair. Or maybe the, the person, the disabled person, is really frustrated with having the dependency thrust upon them. And they're, they're st pointing daggers um, at, back at the person who is either a professional or a, or a, or a care worker. Um, and so I felt that it was so richly resonant. And as soon as I saw it, you don't need, I mean, I hope that you will look at the website and have a look at this, this um, image. It really encapsulated something about disability and caring. Um, and I'm a social scientist. And, and, and as you said, I study disability. And immediately I thought, this, this is really powerful. And so I, I, uh, I've written various books, but uh, my magnum opus was in 2006. Um, and it was called Disability Rights and Wrongs. And uh, this image is on the cover. And mainly academic books have really dull covers. Uh, but all my books have got um, artwork on the covers. Um, and artwork is a major reason I buy postcards. And I think I'll have sent versions, I'll have bought about five or ten of these. Mm. And I'll have sent them to various people uh, because I want them to look at them. Um, but uh, it's forever encapsulated on, on, the, uh, on the cover of my book. So it's a, it's a conversation piece, really. Um, and unfortunately, it's not very bright colours, um, but it's uh, pretty deep thought attached to it. Uh, and I did a talk about Mona Hatoum's work um, uh, during lockdown, in fact. Um, and and uh, I was put in touch with the woman who runs her studio in East London. So I'm, I'm determined, uh, you know, when, when, when it's possible to go and visit and, you know, quite just possibly uh, meet the artist herself, who's, who's yeah. um, in her 60s, I believe, and, and has done some really powerful political work over the years. So when, when you saw this at an exhibition... Yeah, my book came out in 2006, so I probably saw this as an exhibition and I should have found out. Um, this, uh, this artwork was made in 1990... Uh, I can't even read it. 1998, I think it says on I the I think back. it's 1998. And it was taped... It was in, in the Tate Gallery. Um, and uh, I, I presume it was in Tate Modern. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes you go in and you see an exhibition and you stop dead. And, and you know, I've made artworks myself and, and often they're playing on um, uh, an actual artwork. And, and in this case, I've never made this, obviously, or anything remotely uh, uh, similar to it. But I have uh, always thought about it and, and, and used it as the basis of discussion. It is, it is complicated, isn't it, what's going on there? Because it's not... There's no obvious statement coming out of it. It's not a simple observation on anything. And that's what I like, because, you know, you can do ethics, bioethics, which I sometimes do, and you can, you, know, you can construct philosophical arguments, and you can provide evidence, which is what I do more of the time. You can do research, and you can find out what the situation is. But many of our conundrums in life are not resolvable. You know, there isn't an argument which proves one way or the other, and there isn't even data, there isn't even evidence which proves one way or the other. So you're left with this tension, this complexity, and it's in that complexity that we, that we live our 
our lives. And so I think, um, you know, art is a tool for thinking in, in that sense. And many, not all artworks, but many artworks make us think um, and they don't give us answers. And that's exactly what this image does. Yeah, I love uh, it. It's provocative in the best sense, I think. It, um, it's, it's, it's pushing you towards yeah. lots of things. And and not all, none of them comfortable actually. None of them comfortable, and and you, and I can't say if you told me what your view, that you'll all have a different uh, attitude, or or you'll take something different from it. And I can't say that I'm right and you're wrong. Yeah, you know, there is no right answer. It's mm. just a way of making you think, and it does that so well. And it sits there unresolved. <laughs> and, and, I'm afraid that's life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I thought you had the answers. <laughs> uh, you know what? I went into academia thinking I would find out the answers, you know, um, <laughs> a, a, as, as a philosopher or as a social scientist. And the, the more you look, the more you realise there aren't, there isn't one answer. There are many mm. answers and they're probably mostly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's, there's, that, that, there's wisdom in that. There really is. Oh, well, look, thank you. Thank you both for, for sharing these postcards with me and with each other and, and, and with the listeners. Um, there's, there's a cliched line that I, I always say, which is, I never know where the postcards will send us. But it's true. <laughs> it's true. I don't. And, and they do send us to some, some interesting and, and personal and touching places. Uh, and, and, you know, if we're lucky, maybe profound. Um, so, yes, thank, thank you both for sharing them. Um, another reminder for those of you at home, it, it, it would be really good if you could look at the blog postcardinthepast.co.uk because then you can see what we're talking about. I mean, my guests have described things beautifully and eloquently, but you get to see them as well. Um, now, before I let you both go, I would normally um, pass across the desk in the studio to you um, uh, one final postcard, but we'll, we'll, we'll do it virtually. So it's customary for us to end the programme with one of these. So in, in your, the last card on your sheets uh, is, is a card of a sort of rural scene. I don't know if you can... Can, can, can you see that, Tom and Anne-Marie? The one can, that yes. says, God bless you always. Like, that's, that's, <laughs> it's uh, quite explicit, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, per perhaps you could describe it to me. Uh, well, I mean, it, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's, a corn, it's a cornfield, I think. Um, there's a windmill. There's a lady in the foreground with three um, large sort of dogs. Um, uh, she's, uh, it's a sort of 1920s or 30s image, I think. Uh, there's one of these great skies. Um, there's some, uh, a tree, a willow tree overshadowing it. And as I say, it says, God bless you always. And there seems to be, uh, uh, is it a pin that's been put into it to stick it on the wall? There's a sort <laughs> what of, is that? <laughs> a cylindrical, either it's a spaceship coming to, uh, for the great, um, uh, whatever it was called, the, 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 the uh, where, 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 where in the end times, uh, the rapture, that's what it is. Or else well, it's little green men. I'm not sure. Or well, else it's a drawing pin. It may be, it may be the rapture. Well, the, the, the white dot in the middle is, is, um, is a hole. Because this is a record. This is a record postcard that is a record. So it's, what? it's, a, it's a pressed into the the sort of shiny side of the oh, postcard. Wow. You are the can grooves? Just see the grooves. Yeah? Yeah. Can you see them now? They make sense. Yes. yes. I hadn't read those at all. So this um, it's, it's, it's almost like a sort of constructivist image as she stands against the breeze. Um, anyway, it's a record, and because uh, young Tom at Wardour Studios is so clever, he has recorded this on his gramophone and made a digital file of it and if we keep listening very carefully we should now be able to hear what this postcard sounds like 
That's amazing. <laughs> is it is it British or American? This is British. Do we know who the voice is? We I don't think we know who it is. Um, it's produced by a company called Melody Cards from uh, NW1. I think it's and from the it, 60s. And is it square? So no, are you it, playing something... It's rectangular, like a postcard, large postcard, but the record bit is a round circle stamped onto it. Wow, goodness me. It, That's I'm amazing. Not, I don't think the quality is that bad. No, I think your right. man and Tom has done brilliantly. <laughs> oh, well, he's got... But he, he, I think sometimes he has to kind of make sure they're not too curly on the, on the turntable, that's all. <laughs> because, you know, after 40, 50 years, these things are a bit curly. But And is that what the song is called, God Bless You Always? Or no. is it something different? OK. No, just as the message often bears very little relation to the picture, I think the music, the picture on this bears little relation to the music. Um, I think God bless yours is just a message to send. You could send it's them an in a post in, a, in an envelope, but you didn't have to. I mean, you could send them letter post. Um, it's fantastic. I love it. it. Is. I've never had one of these. I've never seen one of these. It must be rare, but uh, it's extraordinary. Well, I, 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 there are one or two in uh, in my archive. <laughs> I, I have this image of you, Tom, at Postcard Towers, you know, and the, and the long wintry evenings you play these to yourself and think, ah, oh, the, the golden days of Postcard. You've been spying on me, Tom. You've been spying on me. <laughs> and also, it's it's an interesting. When I saw when you when you sent these through, Tom, I kind of. I was looking at it and I'm thinking, what an interesting choice of subject matter. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's wow. a random woman with three random Afghan hounds, if that's what they're, a random willow Borzois, tree. I think. Are they Borzois? Are they? And a windmill. Yes. Um, and she's suddenly stopped and going and just decided, well... She spotted something over to the right. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell, what's that over there? Get off oh, God, my it's... land! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's motorhead. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, as the Borzois continue to rotate... At exactly 45 RPM. That's it for this time on Podcast from the Past. I'd very much like to thank my first class guests for sharing the postcards from their and our pasts, Anne Marie Minhall and Tom Shakespeare. Thank you both and thank you for listening. Bye for now. You can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book Postcard from the Past by me, Tom Jackson at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.